Oh, what's up, video vampires? Oh, what's uh, up? <laughs> with Jessica and Mickey. Yeah, what's yeah. up, guys? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I've been half tempted to like go drive outside LA County to go see Tenant because if you're in inside LA, you know that um everything's still shut down here. But if but parts of outside the county um are opening slowly. Um, and some of the theaters reopened and they were showing Tenant, and I really wanted to go, but a lot of the reviews, even from people who like Christopher Nolan, like weren't that good. They were just saying like, hey, it's like too flashy, but really hollow. And I was like, I, it's sad because I was looking forward to it. I rewatched some of them. I rewatched Interstellar, which I feel like I felt was a little hollow for a while. And then like now maybe in my heightened emotional state, I was like, oh no, I think Interstellar is like one of his better, more emotional pieces. But Again, I haven't seen Tenant, but I really wanted to. I was thinking about downloading a cam rip if anyone I they they look pretty good if anyone's into that and you want to download it and then let me know what you think. But I don't know. I really wanted to see it so that so the movies that I've watched are only ones that came out on streaming really. So I watched them. Um, I'm thinking of Ending Things, which is the new Charlie Kaufman. Um so if you don't know Charlie Kaufman, he wrote um Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And being John Malkovich, which is like one of two of my favorite films. Um, And so this one he directed. And it's like, so the more I think about this film, the more brilliant it is to me. But like while watching it the first run, I was just kind of like, I'm not really fucking sure what I'm seeing. Um, It's really cool. It takes place like it's, it's like this fictionary. Well, this this romance sort of, but it's like a relationship being worked out in this person's head it's a fantasy you know what I mean and it's like replaying certain events or certain scenarios and different answers and it's like it's kind of insane but it's also like really fucking sad so like this was one of the movies like and you feel the same in stuff he's written before too like in being John Malkovich you feel like empathetic and like sad and like really lonely you know and I think that's like an emphasis on like all the things he's done is like this weird you know, reach for connection. Um, and I felt it in this and it, it's just like, also like pieces of your memory. It's honestly, I, I like the more I think of it, I'm like, this might be the best movie I've ever seen, <laughs> but like, it's, it's weird. I don't know. I want people to watch it. I don't want to give too much away because yeah, I, haven't, I want I haven't people to watch it. And you haven't. No. And I, I want to, I mean, like in torn because like my wife watched it, like I was telling you before, like my, I was writing something at the time. So I've been working in the all night writing and she had, she had kind of a deadline to watch it. Cause she was what, go, attending a, uh, a zoom Q and a with, um, with Charlie Kaufman and about the movie. So she wanted to kind of know what the fuck it was going on before she did. And I, um, so I would walk in and out of the bedroom cause I'd been writing in there and I would see shots and be like, yeah, that's, that looks amazing to me. Like just, and I'm talking shots of just somebody sitting in a car while there's snow outside talking. And I'm like, I'm into this shot cause it looks super cool. Um, but I haven't read it. I haven't seen the movie. Or I haven't read the book either. I didn't know it was based on a book until I, I was like, Oh, you know, I wonder what I overheard the Q and a and they were, I kept asking about the book. And, um, and so I was like, well, I didn't know it was a book. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, it was a book. So I'm like, oh, do I fucking read the book? Cause I got, I mean, I got nothing but time. Um, but well, I guess, I mean, I don't, I didn't read the book. I, I wanted to. And then like, you, it's kind of explained that like he takes an artistic departure from, oh, gotcha. you know what I mean? So like, I, I still want to read it, but I guess like his, his imagined ending is, is like, you know, his own imagined ending. It's, it's really interesting. Because I, I like the way he talks about it because he's kind of like, I don't want to 
give too much of what I think away. I want the viewer to kind of just think what they want, but I'll like tell you what I was thinking when I made it, if that makes sense. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's very, I don't know. It's like abstract look inside your brain's loneliness poured out on screen. Like, I don't even, I'm like, how, how do you accurately portray that? It's just, it's insane. It's it. It's a crazy movie. I, I really loved it. How do you accurately portray that? You just take a camera and you go outside right now and you just yeah. film 2020 <laughs> and you can pretty much, you get the, the loneliness of, uh, <laughs> yeah. Of, of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really cool. I think, I think, um, people should watch it and then like sit on it and then watch it again. Um, is my, is my that, uh, recommendation. That's a review I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also watched, so I just, apparently all I watch is like kind of sad movies, but like, so, um, I didn't actually know it came out like maybe a year ago or two years. There was a documentary on Linda Rothstadt called the sound of my voice. And she basically sang like every song you recognize growing up. Like I forgot how much influence she had, especially like in, in the musical world and in growing up because she was there like, you know, like 60s, 70s, 80s, like, and she did so much. And they're like, this is a good documentary. Like this documentary made me want to be like, oh yes. Like I forgot about that album. Like I want to go listen to it right now. Like I want to just like fill my head with like fucking music, you know? And, um, and then it took a sad turn because they talk about, you know, what happened to her. Because for a while, I was like, yeah, what did happen to her? And then she got Parkinson's and affected her vocal cords and she couldn't sing um, anymore or sing the way that she knew that she could sound. Um, and so it, it was really sad at the end, I think, just because, like, even though we got, you know, pieces of her enormous talent, like, it's just like, yeah, that's what it is. It's like a glimmer. And then it's just, like, snatched up by, like, disease. But... For music lovers, like, what a fucking documentary. It's just, like, great yeah. and, like, musical and, like, everyone's in it. And, like, uh, I just, like, I was just going earlier before we were recording. I was, like, going through a bunch of her albums, including her mariachi, you know, like, Mexican love songs that she did, which I had no idea existed. It's just, like, it's brilliant. And I think it does a good job of, like, showcasing just, like, how influential she was, especially as a woman during that time period. Um, and that's on HBO. So there's like a ton. I just been watching HBO Max because it's like what I pay for. So I'm like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get the most out of it. Um, and so what else I watched that's on HBO Max is Queen and Slim. And and this had been in my queue for a while. I think um, there's just like some movies that I feel like will be too emotional for me. So like I wait on them. Um, and this was written by Lena Waithe. Um, and it basically takes place, you know, in in modern age where a couple goes out to um to a diner you know on their first date and um <clears throat> they're uh they're driving home you know he's about to drop her off and he gets um pulled over by a, a cop you know and uh they're a black couple and you know shit happens and um something happens and the cop um gets murdered and it's basically about what happens next and i i think i like cried through the entire film it was just really emotional and really beautiful and like Daniel Kalula's in it and he's just like such a great actor like he's playing head uh, Fred Hampton in, like this upcoming film um and it's just like I don't know he he's like one of my favorite up and coming actors for sure like everything he does I think he's just been like golden and this movie is like super emotional and like poignant and like sad and also like but kind of like you know it's, it's also like a love story so I don't know that's that's what I've watched and then you know um, there's like a lot of series on. So the series I want to talk about is Raised by Wolves, which is Ridley Scott. 
And like, I think in his older age, he's gotten quite controversial, right? Like, um, he's done a lot of things that like people either love or hate or like they love who he used to be and they feel weird about what it is. Like, I don't know. A lot of people think he just went senile and he's a little crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't think he went senile. I just don't think, I definitely think that he's kind of gone a different direction than I would, you know, anyway, but yes, go ahead. <laughs> well, this, I'm not sure. So, you know, there's a lot of spectacle. I, I didn't read much about it. I just kind of like watched it in the first episode. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? And it's like, but it was like so cool. And it's like, everything that I imagined like sci-fi was when I was young, if that makes sense, but like made into like a very interesting post-apocalypse concept. Like it also deals with like androids or, or cyborgs or Cylons or, you know, replicants, whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to name them. Um, and it's also like really terrifying. Um, it's basically like just the end of the world for humanity and we're trying to find new places to live and um, there's a battle going on on earth and like you know there's fucking you know killer you know monsters that also remind me of like old Japanese like manga and stuff like that so I don't know it's just like a bit crazy I've, I've caught up now there's been five episodes that have been released um, and I, I really love it I I think this is like brought him back up into like, like it's totally fucking bonkers. And like, I'm, I'm really loving it so far. I hope it ends really strong, but I think everyone should watch it. It like surprised me how good it was, even though I shouldn't have been because like, you know, he's kind of a genius. Um, and then also what's on HBO with I just watched is only one episode. It's called the third day and it's with Jude law. Um, and this is also kind of surprising and very eerie. It deals with like a lot of old, you know, European folklore. Um, but you don't quite know what's going on. You're not really sure if this is supernatural or if like Jude Law made his way into a labyrinth or like what is happening yet. But it's like it's normal enough where it makes sense. But it's also very eerie because you're kind of like none of this should be happening. I think everyone should watch it. I think escapism is like a big thing right now. So just like dive right in guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of like, the Ridley Scott thing. I love, I mean, I think Blade Runner is the greatest science fiction film ever made. And I think, um, and, and, and I say that because I don't think alien is a science fiction film. I think alien is a fucking amazing horror movie. That's where I land on it. Um, okay. I mean, it, it, aside from being in space, that movie's a fucking haunted house movie or a monster movie in space, in, in a spaceship. But it's other than that, if you take away the spaceship part, it could be a haunted house and it'd be the same thing. And I yeah. love that. And I love that. And I love the look of it. I love the feel of it. But Blade Runner to me is like, ah, oh, this is what science fiction is. Alien yeah. is aliens horror. Blade Runner is like, ah, oh, this is like, because it, 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 um, it introduces, you know, thoughts and ideas and questions, not as many answers. And um, I just, I, I could spend three hours on Blade Runner and still be like, not have plenty to talk about, but, um, and I love legend. I really do. I love the movie. Legend, legend is Tom very cool. Yeah. I think I, I periodically watch it and, uh, I still think that it like has some of the best like makeup oh, effects, yeah. you know, that has ever been made. Hands down. Yeah. I mean, I love that movie. I love the Tangerine Dream Square. I mean, I love, I think there's a point where I just, I love Ridley Scott. And then there's a point where I just go, uh, I don't know. And then Prometheus, like, I mean, goddamn, like, what a dis like, I, my heart broke. I was so excited for that movie. And then I saw it in the theater opening night. I was like, I saw it in 3D. I was like, I'm going to shell the extra bucks in 3D. And visually, that movie is beautiful as a story and as, like, as, um, 
whatever. It was fucking hot garbage. Um, and it's like people are like people. I I I've voiced my complaints about Prometheus and all that stuff. People are like, how can you be complaining about that when you love Friday Thirteenth or you love? Because I just thought everybody in Prometheus was dumb as fuck, and I'm like, they, oh my are, God, they yeah. all deserve to die. And he's like, and they're like, well, why do you? Is it why is it okay Friday Thirteenth, but not in Prometheus? And I'm like, because I expect more from Prometheus than Friday Thirteenth. I go to see Friday Thirteenth, and if they start acting like, like, the okay, characters, but. Mm-hmm. But look at where we are now in 2020. Like, uh, I think the main problem I have with Prometheus 2 is, like you said, they're they're dumb. They're written stupid. And then you're like, for fuck's sake, like, we hadn't evolved. Like, that's what bothered me. I'm like, people should be smarter than this. Except we're in 2020 and we're constantly battling against, like, the dumbest motherfuckers. So I feel like we should yeah. give that another chance because we're really not as smart as we think we are. I know, but there's just, it's 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 like... I know what you mean. And I, yes, we are fucking dumb, but I'm talking like there's levels of stupidity that in, and in Prometheus that blew him out. And then alien covenant, just kind of like what I'm going about early Scott is that alien covenant. Um, there is all that really cool Fassbender teaching Fassbender how to play the flute, but really it's, weird, <laughs> it's this weird homoeroticism with Michael Fassbender, like, yeah seducing himself it's kind of like a weird, like as a straight man, I'm like, that's fucking hot. Like I'm into this, you know, <laughs> everybody in that movie is even dumber than they were in Prometheus. Like they land on a fucking planet they've never been on. And Michael Fassbender like saves them from this fucking crazy thing they've never seen before. And they go, to, he takes them to this weird abandoned like city. And this one character is like, oh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go freshen up. And it's like, why do you have to freshen up? Why do you have to leave the group? Like, who are you trying to fucking impress here? I would be, if I was on an alien planet and I saw like, a fraction of the shit they had already seen. I'd be like, I'm not going anywhere. Nobody's leaving my site. Not because I'm worried about you, because I'm worried about me. But no, this fucking girl, she goes and gets fucking, she goes <laughs> to like wash her hair in the water, the, the weird stream. And I was like, they don't know anything about the water. It could be fucking, they're just dumb as fuck. And then Billy Crudup is like, he's in about like, Michael Fassman's like, come down to the basement and see all these weird egg things I have. And Billy Crudup's like, I don't know. And he's like, no, it's okay. You can trust me. And he's like, Okay, and he walks, and I'm like, "You fucking everybody in Alien Covenant." I know. I remember. I remember being like, I remember watching this and being like, "This, these are really bad decisions." The whole reason for them to like go to it also really bothered me. I was yeah. like, "Why? There is no point." Like, end movie, you don't go. Like, that's it. Right. Like, bye. But that would have been, you know, like my right. choice. But right. So, like, I mean, so and the thing is that, like, I feel like I, I know that Ridley Scott. What I liked about Ridley Scott back in the day was that he would he hired capable people on the script to write stuff. So it's, I almost feel like, you know, with Ridley Scott, it was like, you know, people were saying as a director, he like, um, you know, he did, he wasn't very hands-on with like, Hey, I'm looking for you in this scene to give me this. And I'm looking for this type of emotion. He would hire these actors and then he would let them just be. Cause he was like, I'm hiring you because I know, you know how to do this. I'm, I'm working off. I'm, 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 you know, you're, you're the screenwriter because you know how to do this. So I get to work on building the world that these movies happen in Blade Runner. I mean like the detail to the world, all that stuff. It's all Ridley Scott. And lately as he's gotten older, he just doesn't give a shit about the people who are writing the script anymore or some of the people who are acting. Um, mm -hmm. I love, you know, what the best part about alien covenant was, was Danny fucking McBride. And I was like, I had, was not a fan of his. And then, um, and then he won me over with uh, with Alien Covenant, which I never. So that's why I was like, I'm gonna watch Vice Principals, and I was like, this show is amazing. Dude, and then, yeah, he's know. he's a comedic genius for sure. I mean, um, I did like the new Halloween. It took yeah. it took me a while, but I Got mean, the Righteous Gemstones too is just like fucking great. It's fucking but, brilliant. But I mean, um, 
I, I honestly think Raised by Wolves is really good. I it just like reminds me of like pieces of like Metropolis and like you know like just really <laughs> old school scary things that that are like futurized. It's just it's I think it's really cool so far and I think you should watch it I think you should watch it and we should talk about it because that would be interesting because I didn't it's not like I had much faith either like I was kind of like eh, even knowing Ridley Scott did it and then I, I watched the first episode and I was immediately sold to be honest all right. I was like uh, yeah. all right I'm in yeah um and then also the vow which I taught I'd make jokes about joining a cult just because it's 2020 and I'm like oh I want to watch that I do want to see I really I'm ready I'm ready to join a cult but also the vow is really scary because that is a real cult and it just like shows just how easily and like how quickly you can just get sucked into something that you didn't realize was it until you're like too far deep you know Imagine being a fan of the show Smallville and not knowing anything that's going on. Just like, I wonder what happened to that. Like, you stopped after maybe season three. You just got, yeah, it just turned to things like, you know what? I'm going to let this go. It's, I, I'm just going to let it go. I'm, I'm not saying this is me, of course. This is just a hypothetical, of course. You know? <laughs> but let's just say that you decide to look up and see what's happened to some of these actors and you, you find out what's happened to like, one of the actresses and you find that she's joined a fucking cult and then you're like oh that's interesting i'm gonna come back to this story let's see where it goes let's see where this story goes in a few months from now and every few months you check up on it and you're like oh my god like this has gotten more insane than the last time i looked um that's what happened for some people i know that aren't me but you know (laughs) um so i do want to see the documentary just because you know for the sake of that person that you know we're talking about i'm really curious as to to what happened there because it's a that's fucking insane. Um, I know that, that, yeah, the main guy's in jail right now, but it's funny because there was just an, an article written about, like, how some of his, like, cult followers have renamed themselves, and then they dance outside the prison for him. It's really fucking weird. Yeah, that's weird, because, like, you know, that shit didn't happen with Manson or anything like that. Like, none of that shit happened when Charlie Manson was in jail, and, like, his followers would show up, and, yeah, that didn't happen. Um, you know, history doesn't repeat itself at all. <laughs> no it's oh very it's God. very yeah it also because you know especially now that i'm so willing to join a cult i'm like oh this is just how how it's done can't wait to see those signs you know <laughs> like, yeah i mean it's now's the time for it right it feels like the end of the world so you might as well uh might as well pick a side um pick a side yep yeah, and you didn't you didn't really watch much, right? I didn't. know. we did. You know, we have our annual. You know, we have our Friday. Sometimes we switch it over to Saturday, depending on. Um, we watch Foxy Brown with Pam Greer. I had never seen it in its entirety, um, and my wife had never seen it at all. She hasn't seen any of the Pam Greer seventies. Uh, so I was like, you know, and I I just watched Coffee like not too long ago, and I was like, you know what? And I don't mean this in a bad way, but if you've seen Coffee, you're gonna see Fox. You, you've seen Foxy Brown and vice versa because they're. I mean, they're very similar. Um, Foxy Brown being directed by Jack Hill who directed Spider Baby, one of my favorite, um, you know, 60s horror black comedies. Um, I love what I love about, um, you know, Jack Hill stuff, especially in the 70s, is always seeing Pam Greer, obviously, and always seeing Sid Haig and just seeing them play off each other because they'd worked together so many times, you know, that like when in Jackie Brown, there's the famous scene where she's in court or she's, yeah, and he's the judge. And it was like, that was a, that was a nod to their like many times be on camera. I know you've got, I know, because on our, I think on our very first episode, you talked about a road rage incident with, um, with Sid, <laughs> Sid Haig. I know, yeah. I was going to mention it. I was like, oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought about it, too, and it's like, look, Jess, for all you know, it probably wasn't Sid Haig. 
you know, it could have been me for all, you know, yeah, I, that could have been me in the car saying that. Um, I mean, we look alike, you know, you just saw a bald dude and you thought, Oh, it's a, it's I, a if I, dude, I, I, I swear to God, it, if I could take like a, if I had recognized him, I think I did right away. And I still like, you know, just reactive to it. But my friend, uh, who does this, uh, her Instagram is naughty underscore knots, you know, like, uh, K N O T. She made me a stitching that says, um, I swear to God, one time in traffic, Sig Hey called me a cunt. Okay, <laughs> like she, she, she stitched it for me. It's, it's kind of perfect. I don't, I don't have a thing against him except for the fact that he is like one of the most terrifying clown people I've ever seen on the screen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you know, it's like, it's funny because like my wife, she only has like, she's never really seen the Rob Zombie movies, but she knows who he is from like, you know, cause like classics. All that, all, yeah. Well, more of like, she's like, you know, like because of the Rob Zombie movies, like that face is like, is everywhere. Like you go to Universal when Rob Zombie's like doing a haunted house and you're going to see the Captain Spaulding, you yeah. know, so she, that's what she, she's like, where do I recognize that guy? And I'm like, imagine him much older and wearing clown makeup and you, it's like, oh, I gotcha. So, um, but you know, I, Foxy Brown's fucking fantastic, by the way, you got to watch it. Yeah. Um, it is a fantastic, fantastic, um, Pam Greer film. And that's all I really watched. I haven't really, I've been writing and I've been, um, I mean, like I said, I've been watching at night. Our ritual is like watching Shit's Creek just because I need something to make me feel good about the world. And um, it's like, it's what I watch before I go to bed. So I'm not fucking riddled with anxiety or crying myself to sleep. At the yeah. There's a fucking hot mess. So uh, definitely watch Shit's Creek at some point. It's a fun show. Every episode's like 20 something minutes long. Um, it's a show that like, it's the plot is pretty basic. It's so simple that you're like, oh yeah, how is that going to sustain itself? But the characters are so well written and the, the delivery, like the cast is so fucking fantastic that um, anyway, I, I'm a big fan of uh, that show. And so that's my, my ritual, but I'm watching anything. Uh, I've just been working and writing and like, um, you know, aside from the Friday night movies, which we, um, I, you know, we, we had uh, Foxy Brown uh, the night, the week before that we had trick or treat, which I did in a, we did an episode of on video vampires, a Halloween episode. And um, we'll talk about trick or treat again, I'm sure before uh, this Halloween, but um, you know, so we watched trick or treat. And then uh, before that, I think we had already covered this on the last episode. We did our Christian Slater double feature where yeah. I served un untamed artichoke hearts um, and, um, <laughs> and, and true romaine, buffalo wrapped lettuce the lettuce wow true, true romaine lettuce buffalo wraps um that was cool uh it's a mouthful too and then um you know that's so really we, funny yeah and then like oh and then you know fair you know because of um christian slater's uh you know one of his early roles was in uh, legend of billy jean so we had fair is fair trade coffee um ah. Yeah, right. Pretty clever. Um, so you know, that's that's what we we've been I've been doing at the very least. Um, I was telling you before we um before we started recording that I just picked up the box set of uh it's very cheap on Amazon, guys. The box set of uh Tales from the Dark Side, which was a show that could scare me by the opening music alone. In fact, I think there's some episodes that the music, the theme, the the opening theme to Tales from the Dark Side scares me more than the actual episode itself. Yeah, I can like, see that. That episode, that theme song was so that. It was so eerie and so unsettling for me as a kid um, that I think just Pavlovian, you know, response, I get like chills when I hear it and it's not even that scary anymore. But um, that's pretty much it. That's, all, that's what I've been doing. Um, so I don't know. There's no really good way to segue into this, but I will segue because I was, ah, here we go. Because I was talking about Pam Greer and Foxy <laughs> Brown. Here we go. Master the segue. Pam Greer, Foxy Brown, 
black exploitation films. There was another exploitation genre called Ozploitation, which was all Australian uh, exploitation films. And, uh, you know, um, the actually the original Mad Max, the George Miller, the original, you know, the first Mad Max um, was an exploitation film, was an, uh, an Australian exploitation film. If you've ever seen the original Mad Max, it yeah. is nothing like Mad Max Fury Road. It is this awesome, weird not quite post-apocalyptic yet you know we haven't gotten there yet i'd say actually mad max it's like now <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say it's more like the immediate process of it happening yeah exactly and it's like kind of like the last days before we we hit that point and it's this great little like um kind of like this is a really great revenge story um and that was and you know george miller was working at as like a um he was working in a hospital and he fucking and he was like you know he was like looking at all these these fucking mangled bodies coming in. He's like, I don't, and I don't know why he looked at those. Went, I want to make a movie, but like he made, <laughs> he made Mad Max, which uh, you know at the time was like the most fucking insane stunts you had seen in a fucking movie at the time. Um, another director that came out of um, Ozploitation. So Ozploitation is basically just like again Australian exploitation films in the seventies. Australia was kind of becoming this place where you could like you know a lot of these great fucking weird weird fucked up exploitation films were coming from and not all of them are exploitation some of them are just like kind of art house films that kind of got lumped into that yeah um i'd watched one that i had mentioned to you uh, a few like a month ago called wake and fright uh, it was this great australian film with donald pleasance and it. it's about the school teacher played by this other guy i've never heard of who like basically he's going to travel he's like he leaves this tiny fucking town that he teaches in and he stops in this like other small australia town australian town before he goes to sydney australia but he can't end up leaving this small town and like he ends up getting stuck there and like over the weekend and the next few days and like it really like kind of challenges his like his identity and who he is it's like it's basically the movie after hours by martin scorsese but much darker and much more existential and fucking scary uh -huh. um but not scary as in like horrifying, but more scary as in like this is what happens when like you're just completely stripped down to your base who you are as a human being and like what what it's like to see that face to face. It's really fucking brutal. Again, another great Australian film. Um, Peter and, and the funny thing about I gotta say this too about the funny thing about these Australian uh, exploitation films is the directors of these movies would some of them would go on to be like huge deals like Matt, uh, George Miller. You know, I mean, um, yeah. Mitch, you know, not just Mad Max, he did, um, which is a V Swick, which is fucking fantastic. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's what um, I was like. That one always, I know, I never look at cherries the same after seeing that. As right. I, I can't look at cherries or I can't look at Veronica Cartwright. She was on in, in <laughs> where she's like, when she's playing that, like really like prudish religious fucking zealot. And she's having that weird episode in like the, you know, with her, when she's with her husband, where she's like, <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, where she's, like, yeah. kind of getting turned on, but, like, she's, like, it's fucking scary. And it's, like, if you, like, everybody, like, I know a lot of people who have watched Alien, and they're, like, oh, man, Veronica Cartwright's just so, she's kind of so obnoxious in that movie. And I'm, like, she is one of the fucking greatest actresses I've ever seen. And because she can turn it on and turn it off, like, she can kind of go into, like, hysterics, like she does in Alien. And then she can kind of go into the other direction, like she does in Witches of Eastwick, and then go right back to, like, insane it's so fucking good um but you know uh george miller you know that's that was his trajectory and he got you know i mean he got nominated for a fucking best picture and best director because of mad max fury road so it's kind of an interesting you know come full circle which, moment you know? yeah which should have won i'm sorry i i thought that i know that um the fuck was that movie that spotlight i know spotlight was great i watched it it was fucking awesome the only problem too is if you lived in boston in the 90s 
you're like, oh yeah, I know about that. You know, it's like, well, that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, I have a, um, my family and, uh, yeah. Anyway, if you grew up in Boston, you have a connection to it, but basically, um, you know, my family has a connection to that, you know, it's, it's really interesting. It's especially when you were a kid, like I think about spotlight and those pieces of information and like knowing that as a kid, but not being able to process it for, for years and years and years, like Phil Saviano, who was one of the guys in, in spotlight was like really close to my family. So, oh wow. um, I'm a little biased, yeah. <laughs> but I still think but Mad Max Fury Road. Road is pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> And then Peter Weir, who would later go on to do, like, Witness, which was also nominated for Best Picture, he had a movie in the early 70s called The Cars at A Paris, which if you haven't seen it, the artwork alone, like, as a kid, I would see this video, and it would just be, like, this car covered in spikes, and what is, and you're like, oh, what is this? what is this fucking movie about? Is it about like, you know, um, cars that literally eat people? No, it's about this fucking small town in Paris that stages these awful accidents so that they can dispose of the bodies and they can collect on the scrap heap, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, this guy gets into an accident. He actually survives and he ends up kind of, kind of becoming part of the town until he realizes like, Hey, this place is fucked up. You know, um, it's a really cool black comedy. I totally recommend people checking it out. Um, one of my favorite directors to come out of the Osploitation, um, scene was this guy brian trenchard smith and he directed a movie um he's directed quite a few movies but he did one did one uh of notable uh i think of notoriety called turkey shoot um mm-hmm. which is this um it's got steve rails back remember the astronaut from life force who's like super over the top the yeah American he plays this guy who ends up in this like australian prison um like this kind of like weird radical prison and um Olivia Hussey from Black Christmas and Ice Cream Man, the other two movies we covered, she plays this other prisoner and they both get, um, they're both a part of this like, weird like Australian prison where like the, um, the, the, in the, the wardens have worked out the deal with this, the elite, like these rich people would be like, basically we'll pick four of these prisoners and we'll kind of put them on like a, we'll kind of send them out there and you can go hunt them. And it's this weird kind of like sci-fi, you know, like the most dangerous game type singer like surviving the game all those type of hard target those type of movies but it was made in 82 it's this fucking crazy australian like you know uh, sci-fi movie and then brian trenchard smith directed my favorite osploitation film of all time hands down it's this movie called dead end driving and um i as a kid this was like a huge deal to me but um you know it's it's this really kind of poignant movie even now where like all the undesirables get kind of trapped in like a um and when I say undesirables, I say that in quotations, like the government's like, oh, this is an undesirable. We're going to we're going to keep them locked up in the drive in and just supply them with movies and junk food and uh-huh. just kind of keep them out of like everybody else's hair. And I mean, this one guy. Nice. Yeah, but of course, it's, and of course, and then of course, like, you know, all these like hate groups kind of form and like at one point they start busing in another group they desire deem as undesirables are Asian immigrants and they start busing them in. And then you've got all these fucking factions forming inside the drive in of like, you know it's it's like insane and uh it's, it's fucking it's an amazing movie and i love it um so that's that's a movie you guys should check out like osplitation um is a fucking a criminally underrated had you like that because australia you know you speak you know <laughs> criminally underrated uh subgenre you know in film and it's definitely there's some documentaries worth checking out i think there's one called not quite hollywood that uh covers osploitation like a lot and we'll kind of get into that in a second because one of the films that kind of come out of that was the one that you and i just watched which was patrick yes what did you think of patrick patrick 
Well, why don't you give a synopsis and I'll let you know what I think. <laughs> Patrick um, is, is uh, it's actually, it's funny. It's kind of a movie like the movie The Sender that we watched. It's uh, Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, this nurse. She basically shows up to. Well, we have this, we have this young man who witnesses his mom and her lover um, having sex, and he fucking kills them in the bathtub. And then a few years later, he's got you know he's in this mental or he's in this hospital, basically in a coma. You know, basically a vegetable. And like uh, the you know we have one nurse, the head nurse, who wants to just kind of like look. He's wasting our space, our time, our energy. And you have the doctor who's like, I'm keeping him alive for weird reasons. And then you have this nurse who just she's just starting her job. She's just starting off. She's like she used to be a nurse before, and then she's like she's kind of like on a separation from her husband. She endures the worst job interview slash best job interview I've ever seen where she gets grilled on so many goddamn questions. Like she's asked if she's into like weird fetishes. She's asked if she's an enema specialist because basically like the, um, well, yeah. So, but it's basically about like, you know, is she crazy or is yeah, exactly. she, is this guy have like special powers, you know, like right. what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Cause then weird shit starts happening. She's like, he, like he suddenly reveals he's not so much of a vegetable. He communicates with her, um, telepathically and and telekinetically and um you know the yeah. typewriter and and uh she doesn't know if she's going crazy or not and people certainly don't believe her when she's like no he's not a fucking vegetable he's he's he there's something going on there and he's obviously taking a shine to her so anybody who's like also involved with her or fucking with him meets an unfortunate end and that's kind of where we're at with patrick uh it's this weird thriller where he just our lead our titular character doesn't fucking blink his eyes once that's okay so yeah he's just and it's funny because they uh, they mentioned that in the uh in the movie they're like why didn't they suture his eyes shut and they were just like mm, i don't know <laughs> like yeah. basically they were like we're just we just decided to keep him open it's like all right well that, that's the reason for that and yep. it is terrifying because he's just staring out and it's like you you know that like somehow the brain it's just i don't know it's just really creepy that that little tidbit is like the creepiest fucking thing um yeah. but yeah that interview process with the with the main nun you know or the sister or whatever they're they call them and the then matron. like yeah the matron um and you know she's just asking those questions and it's like the people who want to work here are into like necrophilia and pedophilia and you're like what <laughs> and it's weird because when you when you, you know it's when you like at first i was like man this fucking interview like this is a fucking heavy shit and then you're like you know what these are perfectly valid questions to ask because you have some weird people who are like oh this person's a vegetable let me take advantage of them as much as i can because they're not going to do anything. They're not going to say anything. So I thought it was like, I thought she was over the top. And I was like, also, these are reasonable questions because you never know who's a fucked up person who's going to do some you yeah. know, horrific shit to somebody like who's experiment yeah. on them, which is interesting. Cause like, you know, um, aside from the, you know, the telekinesis part, the, you know, the whimsical part of this movie, like locked in syndrome is a real thing. You know, there are people who were thought to be completely, you know, brain dead and, and comatose and then, you know, could move their eyes because they're, they're still conscious inside their body. It's like really fucked up. It's like one of the things that like scares me the most and it's like a real thing. Um, but that part is always scary because, and plus if you're a nurse, you want to make sure that like, the thing isn't con you know the thing the person isn't like completely conscious or or whatever and then like you see an eye move and you're like wait a second because yeah. his eyes are just fucking open but this movie had a really cool opening scene like i don't know um it, it kind of opens on like this mirrored image of like the a brass ball on like a bed 
um, bedpost. Yeah. And then it switches over to like a side by side of him and the bedpost and like him hearing the bedpost knocking against the, the wall. It's really fucking cool and very eerie and very, and very disturbing. And this whole movie has like kind of like a tinge of like sexual eroticism you know what i mean or like yeah like there's a part where he gets a boner in the movie and like she just kind of you know what i mean she's like you can feel and it's like uh, yeah i mean like okay (laughs) Mm. yeah and it's funny because you you just mentioned something that i i was i was mainly was i was thinking about which is the cinematography in this movie is fucking fantastic um yeah way better than it should be i think uh well i mean so like the opening shot you were talking about, like the, you know, the bed, like seeing the, the, the image of the, the, his mom and her lover having yeah. sex in the bed post. And then at one point there's a shot where you like, you see his pupil and you can see their reflection in his pupil. Like uh, when he's about right before he kills his mom and his lover, yeah. guys, this is opening scenes of the movie. So I'm not giving anything away. Yeah. Not really a spoiler. Yeah. And the cool thing is the pupil scene, the, the, the reflection kind of, they do a callback in a very similar scene you know, t- you know, kind of in the middle, like, towards the third act of the movie, and it's really cool. Like, oh, what a great callback, you know? Uh, and it makes sense stylistically, but it's also just, man, there's some fucking phenomenal shots here. One thing that really stands out in this movie for me is the fucking is the suspense. Yeah, and yeah, it's because I think it took a long time to kind of like get to what was actually happening, but it is super suspenseful the entire time. Yeah. Um, there's also like there's these weird. Um, again with the with the sexual references but this like weird point where like it has nothing to really do with anything she's just like in her apartment the nurse and like her her husband who's estranged breaks into the apartment and like pretends to rape her you know what i mean and then like oh, she's yeah. kind of, she gets mad and she's like what the fuck and he's like well so much for women's for rape, women's rape fantasies. fantasies yeah yeah, yeah. and you're like what <laughs> like okay i will um, say this as a guy none of the guys in this movie come out looking good at all they all even like the ones you're supposed to like are like, what a douchebag. Yeah, you're like, okay, you're an actual dick. And like, yeah. you know, there's there's a part where uh, she's hysterical about what's happening. And of course, she's speaking to the police who don't, you know, can't recognize it, you know, or, you know, can't possibly believe her, um, you know, where she's going a little crazy and she's looking for, you know, one of the male characters for help to confirm her story. And he's just kind of like, no, I'm not going to do that. Darling. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna um, involve although, myself. Although I do like the fact that she immediately shuts in the fuck down. She's like, "Don't fucking patronize me," and you're like, "Yeah, exactly. Fuck this." Like she actually this 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 lead uh, who's played by Susan Penanglian. I think that's how you pronounce her. She is fucking great because there are so many moments in a movie in 19 what was it 78 where um, yeah I mean you have guys left and right who are like you know patronizing her, not believing her. Uh, or just trying to like be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough about this thing that you care about. Let's let let's talk about. Let's talk a little bit more about you. And it's like she's talking about herself. You fucking idiot. You're just not listening. Yeah. But, <laughs> but she really holds her own a lot of times. I'm like, fuck. Like this is one of the more proactive female protagonists in a horror movie that I've ever, I've seen in a long time. That at least we've watched. Most of them are going running around screaming or not kicking somebody when they should be. This one is yeah. like I'm fucking. I'm doing something about this shit. And uh, I don't care if people think I'm crazy. And I'm like, yeah, good for her, man. Fuck yeah. Um, And then all the other guys in the movie, except for the creepy doctor, they just want to get laid. 
that's all yeah but yeah that's like this was very realistic in that sense like okay especially at, at some point you know patrick um his consciousness gets upset because she has like kind of just these male suitors you know he he ends up falling in love with this nurse and uh who's been taking care of him and he's typing at her through the um the typewriter and he just wrote get stuffed slut and then under it he writes i love you and i'm like wow that's so typical yeah, yeah. i mean like <laughs> as a as a guy i can honestly say that that is like you know like it's like high fidelity it's like charlie you fucking bitch let's work it out you know it's like yeah it's, it's the same thing of like do you really think that's and she calls him out on it she's like man you are a fucking child you know and he's like but i love you and she's like you have no idea what you're talking about i'm like all right in fairness he is a weird vegetable dude so he's not, <laughs> he's not the most worldly guy but also good for her for fucking again calling him out on his bullshit um one of the reasons why I brought the suspense, though, is because the director, Richard Franklin, um, here's some interesting tidbits. Um, one, he went to he was an Australian guy. He went to school at USC, though, alongside yeah. John Carpenter. Um, Richard Franklin would go on after Patrick to direct another amazing uh, exploitation movie that you should totally check out called Road Games with Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis. So he's got two Americans in this Australian film, but it's basically Stacey Keach plays a guy. He's a trucker who thinks he may, he it's uh, who suspects that maybe another trucker on the road is a serial killer. And at first it becomes like this fun game, you know, and then kind of, then he starts like, it's like he realizes that it's not a game anymore. Um, and that the guy probably is a serial killer. And like he, he, one of the other characters is a hitchhiker played by Jamie Lee Curtis who Richard Franklin met when he visited the set of the fog. Um, because he was visiting his old buddy, John Carpenter, from his old buddy from film school, and he met Jamie Lee Curtis. He's like, oh, I'm making this movie in Australia. You should totally be in it. Um, and she is. And it's, uh, Road Games is fantastic. It's it's basically rear window on the road, which is a, a, a yeah. sound weird, but it's really cool. Richard Frank, Franklin was um he was a huge, huge aficionado of Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. And he had invited Hitchcock to a USC screening of Rope, and Hitchcock reached out to him. No, no, he was organizing a screening of rope and then Hitchcock heard about it and reached out to Richard Franklin and Richard Franklin and Hitchcock became close enough where that when, when universal was like, Hey, we're going to make psycho two. Richard Franklin was the guy who got the job. Now I don't know if you've seen psycho two. I think psycho two is one of the greatest sequels to any film ever. It is fucking fantastic. It's because you're like, how can you follow up psycho one? Yeah. Watch Psycho 2. Psycho 2 is really great. Tom Tom Holland, who wrote and directed Fright Night, he directed the screenplay for he wrote the screenplay for Psycho 2. But Richard Franklin, who was like clearly influenced and studied Hitchcock, made Psycho 2. And then another movie he saw that um that I went to and I um was a uh, I saw this at a screening in New Beverly with Tom Holland there, no no doubt. It was a movie called Cloak and Dagger. Do you remember this movie? Oh yeah, I I think you have talked about it before. It's funny when I was going through the uh, Richard Franklin stuff, it came up, and I was like, "That sounds familiar," but I don't think I ever actually caught it. It's the one with uh, Harry uh, Henry Thomas from ET, where he plays this kid who like has this like imaginary friend who's like a kind of like a super eight secret agent. It was played mm -hmm. by Dabney Coleman, and it's like it's like kind of like one of those movies where like the kid witnesses somebody witnesses something and nobody believes him, and the only person who does believe him obviously is an imaginary friend. Um, which is kind of a, a weird conundrum in itself because the only person who believes you doesn't really exist. But uh, <laughs> all of these movies that I'm mentioning, they're all heavy duty on suspense. Like that, that if Richard Franklin took anything from Hitchcock, it was see De Palma, Brian De Palma took all the, the visual 
cues from from uh from Hitchcock like you know what I mean like the Palmer yeah. was in love with the fucking like the 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 look of a Hitchcock film and the weird though De Palma seemed to latch onto the weird psychosexual stuff in Hitchcock stuff that gets alluded to, but never really brought out into the open. And De Palma was like, oh, I'm going to bring that out in the open. Yeah, that's Whereas, like all De Palma. Yeah. It's all De Palma. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, body double, which is like kind of vertigo, but it's like vertigo and rear window. But it's like, you know, where, where Hitchcock was like, I'm alluding to the sex stuff. De Palma was like, I am not alluding to anything. I am <laughs> I'm going right into it. Richard Franklin also a disciple of, of uh, Hitchcock took the suspense, you know? So you got like De Palma who's like, loves the visual. Um, you know, it, it, De Palma is Hitchcock by way of Dario Argento, which is funny because he came out before Dario Argento. Whereas Richard Franklin is like, kind of like the real heir apparent to Hitchcock. Cause he was like, Oh, I want to learn how to, I want to build up suspense. And Patrick is full of fucking suspense. There's moments where you're like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And then, you know, and then we cut, to something else and it's completely unrelated and you're like oh okay. yeah and then we cut right back to where we were and boom something happens it's like oh you you got me richard franklin um <laughs> i really i really enjoyed patrick way more than i thought i would i actually did too it's funny because like i wasn't really sure and like uh, at some points i was like hmm but i i do really i really enjoyed it yeah um absolutely and you know the funny thing too is that when i was a uh, when I was in high school and I was living in the Boston area, I ended up, um, I would go to the video store that I would later work at years later a lot. And I would walk by that video cover all the time. And, and Jess, you handle a lot of our, our Instagram stuff. You should find that video cover because I used to walk by and be like, this looks fucking stupid. It's just a dude sitting in a chair just or a ta- uh, bed and says, Patrick, that can't be scary at all. And I'm glad I didn't watch it when I was in high school. Cause I don't think I would have appreciated. I think when I was in high school, I wanted more of like, I wanted something more, a little bit more, you know, in your face, more louder, more like, yeah. I, I wouldn't have appreciated something that's a little bit more of a slow burn, a little bit more of like, I mean, this movie's fucking rated PG. Granted, PG in 1978 is different than PG right now, you know, they get, you see tits in this, let's be honest, there's like a whole pool scene where like, this couple is practically fucking in the pool, and you're like, oh yeah, it's a PG movie, you know, or like, the <laughs> doc- the doctor, the weird doctor who's keeping Patrick alive because he's, basically Patrick is his giant frog that he can experiment on oh yeah that's the other part i was like that is what was ouch an interesting uh example where he talked to a nurse where she's like yeah i know this but he's just like i'm gonna show you anyway and i'm gonna completely just scramble this frog's brain just to give you an idea of what you're dealing with and it's like okay well that was a little uh dark you know yeah and he's like don't get your, let's not get our knee like let's not have your knees get weak over a frog and i'm like motherfucker my knees are weak over the frog that, fr- that frog is probably just like doing its own thing on the lily pad next thing you know he's some old asshole shoving a needle into its fucking head um and then eating it later spoiler alert he eats a frog <laughs> and he's like patrick made me and i'm like no he didn't he yeah went, i know you wanted to eat it yeah come on asshole like you're but just, that's you kind know, of it, it is kind of interesting and, and you see this like especially like twilight zone episodes where like you know someone young has access to power and it's like what is done with the power once they have it and it's like this yeah. young man's power was just used to like torment some fucking nurse that he liked and it's like yeah at the end she's like you immature little shit it's like yeah yeah exactly. it's just it is it's kind of funny i kind of think it's like a horror comedy to be honest there's definitely moments yeah yeah uh, like it's, I don't think it's meant to be, but the more I like look back on it, I'm like, it's just so pitiful. <laughs> 
it's definitely dated, you know. It, it's I like it, it though, but that's why I like it. I think that was the reasoning. It's like, yeah, you know, that's yeah, men it, are um kind of silly at point at times. We're, we're fucking children. I mean, that that's there. That's that is absolutely true. Like we are fucking kids. But the two the two most notable characters in this movie, obviously, are Susan Panag- Panangelian, or uh, the lead, and Julia Blake, who plays the matron, who is. I mean, the actress is fucking brilliant. Like, I haven't seen her in anything. I guess she was in one of the Wolverine movies. But, um, I mean, she's got a long, long, long history of, of British um, and European. Oh, yeah. Stuff, but, but she is fucking, she is a fucking force to be reckoned with. And it's like, it's, I'm actually, I, like I said, it's it's really interesting that all the guys in Patrick are fucking, they're, they're more or less fucking, they're overgrown boys. You yeah, know? exactly. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. that the women are, and especially there's an interesting point, you know, especially the whole point of the movie where she's like, do you believe in euthanasia? She just outright says it, which is funny because this was the seventies and now in, in some States, not all of them, very little States actually that like you have the right to die States, but she straight up is just like, do you believe in it? And she gives this answer. Like, I don't think we should, you know, interfere with God's plan or whatever that means. And she basically just comes out and it's like, you're weak. That is a weak answer, especially for someone in the medical field and i was like hell yeah Damn. lady like she fucking told you like have an answer you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah i i really loved it i love the dynamic between those two They're, they were both very stubborn in their own right but like i i they were the most grown out of everybody i don't know i i, I did really enjoy this movie yeah i mean like it, yeah like i said um not not a good movie you know like it's it's hard as a guy to watch it and be like man you know you're watching these these fucking dumb fucking things that these guys say or do and you're like yeah yeah i think there's a little bit of me and patrick i think there's a little bit of me and that fucking that that douchebag you know that like the the doctor that she like kind of has a fling with and then her husband who's like dude okay <laughs> another spoiler alert guys this guy spends a good 20 to 30 minutes trapped in a fucking elevator for days it's like Dude, figure it the fuck out because otherwise you deserve to be stuck in an elevator. I can't, I can be, I, let me put it this way. When I get into an elevator now, I'm talking like in the past like 15 years, I'm studying every single fucking part of that elevator thinking, what happens if this thing gets fucking stuck? Is there any way I can get out of here? You're fucking telling me in 1978, that guy couldn't have gotten out of that elevator that he's been stuck in for <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Like, dude, you deserve to be in that elevator. Um, but I really enjoy this. And, you know, it's funny because this um, there was a sequel that was made in um, some, just some tidbits. There's a sequel that was made in the um, in the 80s that has nothing to do with this movie, really. And had nothing, you know, Richard Franklin or Everett DeRoach, who wrote the screenplay, neither of them were involved. They did have an idea for a sequel they wanted to do, but they never did, where, like, some weird cult finds Patrick and then, you know, he falls in love with another woman and he makes her life hell. I'm glad it didn't happen because it would kind of spoil this. Um, yeah. A remake got made in 2014. 2013. Oh. Yeah, and you know who played the doctor in the remake was Tywin Lannister, Charles Dance. Huh, really? Yeah. The guy who directed it was his name Mark Hartley. Mark Hartley is an Australian filmmaker who directed it. I think he directed Not Quite Hollywood, which was the documentary about exploitation. Um, and he also directed another great exploitation film documentary that I recommend called uh, Electric Boogaloo. Um, the, the story of Canon films. You guys have got to fucking find this movie and watch it. I think you can buy it on iTunes for $5. It is worth it. If you've ever seen a Canon film, which I guarantee 99% of the people listening has seen at least one. Yeah. Um, you've got to watch this documentary because it is fucking hilarious and insane. And just based on these two fucking Israeli madmen fucking created a fucking film studio that tanked completely by the end of the eighties. But Oh my God, like Delta force cyborg, 
uh, Superman four, um, Death Wishes two, three, and four, uh, all sorts of crazy shit. You gotta fucking watch this documentary. But the guy who directed that documentary directed the remake of um, Patrick, which got really yeah. good reviews. I haven't seen it. I remember at Amoeba, I would see like the fucking uh, the box for it. Um, but I was like, ah, you know, I haven't even seen the original. I'm not gonna watch the remake, you know. And I still kind of had that that like. The original is just a fucking dude in a, a fucking hospital chair. How scary can that be? Again, I'm glad I watched it now. Where I was like, oh, I think I can appreciate it. Another fun fact, when the movie got released in Italy, uh, the Italian market, the Italian distributors were like, we don't like this soundtrack. So they gave it to Goblin. So you could actually type in on YouTube, Goblin and Patrick, and you could hear their music for... Oh, interesting. That should be interesting because the guy who did the score for Patrick is the same one who did the score for Mad Max. Brian May, who I always yeah. thought was the same Brian May and Queen, but it's totally not. Um, <laughs> he did the soundtrack. I I remember recognize his name because he did the score for Freddy's Dead, yeah. the Final Nightmare, and uh, that that soundtrack's got the is very that score is very distinctly different than a lot of the other ones. It's got a very more like um, fantasy kind yeah, of. Yeah, like, I was gonna say I did like the score, but that the Goblin score would be interesting for sure. Yeah, and it's like this one is a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it, ultimately, if I had seen the movie with Goblin score, I probably would have preferred that one. If I'd seen it first, now that I've seen it the way it was originally intended, um, you know, it's probably hard to go back and rewatch it with a with with the synth score that Goblin's famous for. But I always prefer that type of score anyway, like the God, like more Goblin esque score. So I imagine I would probably would have liked that a lot more. Um, but if I'd seen it first, you know, but uh, I, I. Uh, I really think that everything in this movie was kind of out of all the movies we've done in 2020, which has been a rough fucking year. And we've covered some, a lot of cool shit in 2020 so far. Um, I think this is one of my favorites. I hands down. I, uh, I, I really found myself like, man, this is a good fuck. This is a solid movie. It's not very flashy. It's not very exciting, but it is fucking solid. It is. Um, I really dig it. Yeah, I do too. I, I was a little surprised. I'm not really sure why, but I did. I did really like it. It's a it's a decent watch. It's on Amazon Prime or Shutter. Yeah, or Shutter. Watch it, yep. guys, with your streaming apparatuses. Yeah, definitely watch it, and um, you know, let us know what you think. Because I, I, again, I'm glad. Yeah, uh, I'm let glad me I... know that I'm always right, and that Mickey. <laughs> yeah, I, even I if mean... we agree, I like to be uh, backed up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, look, some of us need validation. Some of us are Mickey. Um, <laughs> no, uh, absolutely. You know, um, Jess uh, has definitely schooled me in certain things. Not a lot of things. I mean, we could, we, you know, someday, <laughs> someday, now that we've actually seen a fucking show that that is exactly how Watchmen should have been, we can do another episode on fucking Watchmen, like debate part two, where I can just go watch the show because that's that's it. But Jess was also the one who kept telling me you should watch the fucking show. And I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to watch the show. And then I did. And it was obviously the best show of 2019. If you haven't seen it, you're a fucking lunatic. Watch Watchmen. And um, and um, it's fucking fantastic. So Jess is, is definitely right about a lot of things. Just not. Um, Thank you for that validation. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, I can always edit this part out. So, I know. No, <laughs> and that's our show, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's our show. Yeah, thank you. To stay tuned until next time. All right, guys. Later. Bye. Bye. Inside this building, behind these walls, 
a shocking experiment is taking place. Patrick is undergoing treatment. They think he's helpless. He cannot feel. He cannot see. He cannot speak. Hello? Is anybody in there? Patrick's secret is the enormous power of his mind. A psychic force so intense that nothing can stand in its way. Chilling investigation. Beyond medicine. Beyond science. Beyond the five known senses. world between life and death, Patrick is preparing his very own day of judgment. Patrick.